0: You're listening live to right side radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side, right side radio, solid conservative, and just plain, right.
1: And we're back. I'm obviously not Phil Williams. I'm Scott Standis filling in for Phil. Um, uh, I am a senior fellow at the Alabama Policy Institute. I'm an editorial cartoonist who worked at the Birmingham News for 13 years before I went on to the Chicago Tribune, worked there for 10, and decided I needed to come back to God's country. So we've moved back to Birmingham, and, oh my gosh, I love it here so much. It is such a gorgeous state full of wonderful people. And as soon as we get our act together, completely and utterly, we're going to rock it. We already rock it, but we're going to rock it even harder. Um, our next guest is someone who, um, I need to give you a quick background. Charles Lipson is his, What well, he says at the, you know, he is the Peter B. Ritzma Professor of Political Science Emeritus at the University of Chicago, where he founded the program of international politics, economics, and security. He can be reached at Lipson at gmail.com. Dot com, but Charles and I go back uh, a ways. I first got to Chicago. Milt Rosenberg, and you may not know that name. I hope you do. And if you don't, go to Milt Rosenberg com. Milt was a singular genius and was an intellectual of the highest order. And every week he'd have his dream team on, and it was made up of uh, Charles, myself, and Chris Roebling, a prominent Republican in Illinois. And we talk about the issues of the day one of the great most flattering th- things i have ever been a part of and i've ever been honored to be a part of and i always felt with especially with charles and chris and milt i always felt like i was like oh, what do they down here they call me the idiot man child that they were that they were forced to drag along like you know their brother their little <laughs> but anyway so that's my history with charles Lipson. and uh, charles wrote an amazing piece uh, he writes a lot of amazing pieces again check them out but a real clear politics this week uh, a a gold medal question should women's sports even exist for those of you a name i'm going to throw out there laurel hubbard you may not know it uh it's a transgender new zealand weightlifter uh who has now been allowed and is going to be allowed to compete in the olympics as a woman and so um charles brings up an excellent point about should we even have gender uh, you know uh, categories in the olympics so charles how you doing
0: it's great to be with you uh scott and it, even if you were honored uh, to be with me on milt rosenberg's show i was always honored to be with you and i think that you your ability to draw cartoons that um get to the heart of an issue is just a it really
1: is well i'm not gonna stop you there keep going no i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, charles you wrote this piece i think it's a great question i mean you and i are how can i put this of a certain age uh nash lampoon was a magazine a humor magazine my, my producer here uh, uh copper a magazine is ink on paper quaint a quaint notion <laughs> um and um but do you remember the cover they had a million years ago and it was a russian female athlete and from the waist up she's quite lovely and and, but then you notice that she's also has man parts seen through her shorts. Uh
0: huh. That's I uh, remember that.
1: And and do you remember they used to test for this all the time? The East Germans particularly were always caught trying. You know, they had the women had like ma- hugely elevated levels of testosterone. Uh, whether or not they actually tried to seek a dude in, I don't know. But um, apparently we're past that now. So um, on your piece. You mentioned, uh, uh, let's see, the athletes' participation raises questions far beyond this Olympics or that particular sport. Should we have women's sports at all? Why is the rationale, and how compelling is it? I mean, how do you answer that?
0: Well, it seems to me that the answer differs for different sports or different competitions. Uh, it's, It's funny because what I try to say is that the way that the debate initially runs for a lot of people is um, that some people say, "Well, it's unfair <laughs> because this person uh, was a man and has certain kinds of um, certain kinds of advantages that way." And then uh, the response from uh, mostly from transgender people, but from people who support them, is. Well, she identifies as a woman. This is a sport for women to compete, and therefore, she should compete. Well, those positions are irreconcilable. Um, Yeah. Is there some way to sort out the difference between them? And to me, the way you begin is by asking, in this competition, should there be a separate competition for women? Let's... Um, And if the answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, well, why should there be separate competition yeah. for women?
1: Yeah, and what's the answer?
0: The answer to that is that there are systematic physical uh, differences between men and women. In an earlier age, um, we would have all replied... Duh. But,
1: uh, <laughs> now, now you're getting the tall age, of uh, academia. Of speech, you yeah. somehow
0: have to re- repeat the answer that, <laughs> uh, that men and women differ in size, strength, speed, height, lung capacity, and agility. So if um, in today's uh, age we all recognize that it was a scandal— that uh, great athletes like Sasha Page or um, um, or Jackie Robinson couldn't compete in the, uh, in the Major League Baseball, right? right when Jackie right, Robinson right. ran onto the field on uh, the 15th of April, 1947, that was a major change in our life. But why would we say if the top male golfers were to enter women's competition, they wouldn't be recognized as desegregating somehow the women's tour. Well, and and I just the w- short answer to that yeah, go is that the average drive uh, on the male tour is 295.5 yards. That Believe me, shocked me. Is somebody who used to play golf, and I couldn't even come <laughs> close to that. The longest hitter on the women's tour doesn't drive as far as the average driver on the men's tour. So we have a separate tour. If you if you put the two together, you would have an unfair competition. But here's and what's it's happening. It's not about. But it's not about how people identify. You can um, have your own views about that. I'm respectful of how people identify, but it seems to me that that's the short answer to the question.
1: Yeah, it just seems to me I mean Laurel Hubbard by the way has, has competed as a male, as a man, tried to get right. on various teams and was and didn't have the, 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 you know, didn't have the strength to get to the top tiers. So, what do you do? You do, you know, you say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a girl now." So, I can compete here. It just seems, like you said, as a species, primates generally, the male of the species is bigger, stronger, like you said, muscle mass, lung capacity, all of that, that would give an an immense advantage in physical Uh competition. So, I mean, so where do we, I mean, they're allowing this. Uh And the question you pose is should women's sports even exist? Uh, And I've got to say I think they
0: should exist.
1: Oh, I agree.
0: The reason I pose the question that way is not to say, no, they shouldn't exist, but to ask people to step back and say, well, why should they exist?
1: Well, and, I, and obviously the, the answer is they shouldn't. I mean, if you're going to go with the complete woke and PC cancel culture uh, environment that we live in today, they, they there should be no berries. You should have... Um, you know, women competing in tra- and men f- f- competing head to head in track and field, weightlifting, and all the others. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean that just seems to be the logical conclusion of where we're going, right? Which is insane.
0: I mean, it's. It- I think it's insane, but I think it's it's. I want to distinguish uh, the idea that we should have. By the way, the Olympics uh, do let men and women compete in one division of sailing and in all the divisions in the equestrian sports. And that seems reasonable, I don't see. But I, I can't tell you, for example, whether um, in some division of target shooting or whatever. But just take something like archery, which I didn't know anything about. But it turns out that, that men can pull the bow back much with much greater strength. And because they can, the arrow flies in a flatter trajectory. It's, le- it's faster. It uh, is less affected by crosswinds. Well, that's going to have an effect on your target accuracy. And if you put men and women in competition in sports like that, you're just not going to get uh, a fair competition.
1: Hey, Charles, we're going to have to take a break. And uh, can you hang on for another segment?
0: I certainly can.
1: Charles Lipson, pride of Marx, Mississippi, and a professor and one of the most brilliant political thinkers in the country, will be joining us for another segment right here. This is Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. I'm filling in. I'm Scott Standis, and we're solid conservative, just plain right, and we'll be back right after this. <music> And we're back. I'm Scott Stanis, filling in for Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, Solid Conservative, Just Plain Right. We're going to get right back to Charles Lipson, who is the Peter B. Ritzma Professor of Political Science Emeritus at the University of Chicago, where he founded the program of international politics, economics, and security, the Big Three. He can be reached at charleslipson at gmail.com. Charles, thanks for hanging around.
0: I want to tell people that even though I'm from Mississippi, I have all these Alabama connections
1: What is it with uh, you?
0: My mother was from Mobile, and my father's sister and her whole family lived in Tuscaloosa, and my mother's sister and her whole family lived in Birmingham. So we were always over in Alabama, and uh, I hate to mention this to you, Scott, Uh but my dad and my younger brother went to a university in Tuscaloosa.
1: Oh, I'm sorry
0: yes i i I know we didn't poison any
1: trees (laughs) no well good for you good for you because Lipsons don't do that
0: we don't we don't
1: charles lipson is one of the most brilliant political minds in the country he writes for what everybody pretty much
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm writing mostly for a local flyer uh, (laughs) that advertises our grocery store in the neighborhood now and passes things out under your door.
1: I love that. Apricots. Are they the pits? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, that was the most dad joke I've ever told in my life. (laughs) Oh my God, save me, Charles, save me. Listen, we were talking about your piece you did for Real Clear Politics on... um, the transgender weightlifter from New Zealand, but I want to kind of move forward into national politics. You have written beautifully and frankly, frankly convinced me on a lot of issues because I've,
0: you <laughs> needed it, man. You needed
1: it. <laughs> I did coming to Chicago. Um, but uh, now let's look forward. Let's look at, or let's look at the president, how you are the first person I would ask this question to. And you are the first yep. person I asked you to president Biden in office. How do you grade him right now?
0: Well, the main article I've written a lot about President Biden, but I think the most important article that I've written about him is called "Bait and Switch, Biden," because I don't think he was elected to do what he's been trying to do. Which is what he was elected.
1: Charles, Charles, it's all, the Democrat, it's all the Republicans' fault. It's always the Republicans' fault. Don't you see this? I'm being sarcastic. Well,
0: I will say that it, um, one Republican who is at fault, your audience may not like to hear this, but everything changed when the two Georgia Senate races went to the Democrats. Because that meant that even though there was a 50-50 Senate, all the ties could be broken by Kamala Harris. And because the Democrats had a very thin majority in the House, they now had the House, the Senate, and uh, the White House. So if, uh, and that wouldn't have been the case had the Democrats uh, lost one of the two races in, in Georgia, uh, I think that the way that, Uh, Donald Trump behaved after the election uh, cost them a lot, in part because I think some people didn't go to the polls thinking that their vote wouldn't count, that everything was miscounted. And there may be something to the fact that there was some fraud and so forth. But the fact is, uh, Biden has not governed in the way that he said he would. I think there's a second factor. I just don't think uh, it, I, I just think it's undeniable that he has had some cognitive decline. Thank
1: you. Yes, absolutely. I was just mentioning this in a segment with Ted Rall, which is hilarious because he said he's a progressive columnist for the Wall Street Journal and said that mm-hmm. that Biden's not progressive enough, <laughs> and you're saying he's too liberal. But I, I mentioned well, he him. may
0: not be progressive enough for some people, but I think he was not elected on the promise that he would be the most progressive president in our history and that's what he has done
1: yeah no I couldn't agree more now here's my proposal is that presidents regardless of party um, should be go have a complete physical including cognitive tests once a year and those results are made public is that a reasonable thing to expect I think it is
0: I, I, th- I certainly think it is um, and Uh, but I think that just like in some ways, the biggest, uh, the biggest asset for, uh, um, George W. Bush was the presence of Dick Cheney as the likely successor. Uh, Boy, I think that the presence of Kamala Harris.
1: Oh, my God.
0: As the successor is, uh, is a uh, mighty good insurance for Joe Biden. She does not wear well. Does she? And I mean, do look, they not look have? At what, do look they not have how, people who tell
1: them how what to um, do?
0: They're trying to sell this uh, stimulus package. is huge, and it would be disastrous. Stimulus package, uh, and they don't have her going out around the country trying to sell it. She dropped out of the Democratic uh, primary races with zero in the polls it's not even clear her own family would have
1: voted (laughs) now at that level don't they have people who 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 help them out you know what i can't we don't have time to answer that question charles i'm sorry we got to go
0: nice to talk to you
1: my friend charles thank you charles lipson peter b ritzma professor of political science emeritus at the university of chicago check him out if you want to get his column on a regular basis and trust me when i tell you that you do Email him at charleslipson at gmail.com. That's charleslipson at gmail.com. Charles, thanks for having me. Coming up next, I'm going to be set straight. Particularly Ted Rawl is going to be set straight. Coming up. We're back! <laughs> I'm Scott Stans, filling in for Phil Williams, right side radio, solid, conservative, and you know what? Just plain right. And you know you want to listen to this all the time. I want to thank Phil Williams for asking me to fill in, but apparently uh, the first guest we had on earlier in the show we, was Ted Rawl, who is the progressive columnist for the Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, and so on. I think I probably let him prattle on without challenge, and so... To counter that, we have a special guest. Special guest Ta da, 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 da. <laughs> Sound the Horns In rides the cavalry. I thought you were working. I thought Scotticus, I could <laughs> Scoticus Scoticus
2: It's Phil Williams on the line with my brethren Scott St- Hey Copper Copper. Did yes copper did he burn down the show do i have a place to come back to on monday are we good don't what, worry
1: happened? the building's still standing sort of <laughs> sorry <of>. it's, <laughs> it's it's not leaning as far right as it was i listen you know what i, I ted was my guest i let him prattle on i didn't challenge no. him what to, no 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 i listen i <laughs> i should have jumped in there because ted is crazy i love him he's one of my very best friends but his politics are nuts. So so now here's the counterweight Whoa. to Ted Roll. Well, no,
2: and I'll be honest with you. So, Scott, I will be honest with you. This show is designed for debate. I mean, if everybody who called in all the time loved every opinion I had, then it would just be like a love fest every day, and after a while that would get old. So, like, you know I've done, I've done podcasts with the chairman of the Democrat Party and, and people like that. I mean, I love to hear the opposite opinion. I don't mind somebody having an opinion that is differing the mine as long as they truly believe it and they're not just saying it for, for points. But I will say this, and here's and I only heard bits and pieces. Um uh, because and and truthfully, for my listening audience, uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for being there for Scott today. Uh, I am a yes, practicing attorney, you. and and the show being only three weeks old, there are still uh, some clients that uh, I have commitments to, and today being one, I had somebody that uh, I I had. Uh, a hearing that was scheduled for, and so was able to do part of the show, and my brethren, Scott, took care of the rest. But, uh, yeah, so I heard your boy Rawls talking about <laughs> Afghanistan. Yes. And and I will I will say this. The only – I mean, the pieces, parts that I heard, I don't mind if he thinks that progressive policies are what should happen. I, differ, I disagree completely. That's why my show exists. But uh, I will say this. With regards to Afghanistan, having lived among the Afghan people for a year as opposed to just visiting the country and writing an article – um uh he's got a long way to go in terms of having a reasonable opinion about parts of it now i agree with him it was time to leave i got no issue with that uh i agree well i I actually believe we probably should have left sooner in terms of large-scale combat operations and and large troop movements um the idea though that i think if i heard him correctly correct me if i'm wrong because i don't want to call out a guy for having an opinion that i'm actually misquoting but if I, think I, if I heard him correctly, he says he doesn't believe we should have ever gone there in the first place and that, truthfully, um, bin Laden was not even there. He was in Pakistan, yes, to sure. which I say, well, that's cute, but you're wrong. Um, I mean, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a well-versed, well-lived, um, long-year experience with knowing both of those things are incorrect. We should have gone there. And in fact, if the Clinton administration had done their job, we might never have had to go there, uh, because at one point it is well known and documented that Clinton had the opportunity to take out bin Laden. He chose not to do so because he was scared of the ramifications. Well, the ramifications were 9-11 and a war in Afghanistan. But the other piece is, I'll just tell you, man, literally living among the Afghan people like I did, I'm talking riding horses, eating their food, drinking from the same bucket wells, getting dysentery five times, living among them daily... Uh, they told me about Al Qaeda all the time. They called them the foreigners. They were there in large numbers, and they they differentiated. There was the Taliban, and there was the foreigners. Which sometimes they actually used the name Al Qaeda, but they just called them the foreigners more often than not. And 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 they and they were they were despised. They were everything from Chechens to Arabs to. Uh, and by the way, the Afghan people don't consider themselves Arabs, but they were Chechens, Arabs. Uh, Gosh, we had uh, some from Pakistan, obviously, um, but it, they were a mishmash of foreigners who came in uh, with a, you know, a a cause in radical Islam, and they were truly there, and it was a safe haven, and that's where they planned 9-11. And I have something sitting on my shelf at home, by the way, in my man cave. I've got all kinds of just different things. One of the things I've got is a brass 105-millimeter shell casing from an AC-130 gunship that was fired during Operation Anaconda in two thousand two in the Torabora Mountains. And that's when we were chasing Bin Laden through the mountains trying to catch him. And he got away. But years later we caught him in Pakistan. That's where he got away too, not where he was when the war started. So okay. there is my rebuttal to Mr. Rawls with regards to Afghanistan. Let me ask
1: you what you think about the withdrawal. The Taliban seem to be yeah. filling up the void that we're as we pull back. And um I mean I mean, is Kabul going to fall to them? And where do we go from here? Because, I mean, the one point I do agree with Ted, and I think you do too, is that uh, especially Western uh, Pakistan is, I mean, a hotbed of, of jihadism and Wahhabism and just all sorts of badness for the world. Um, what, 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 in your view of President, President Williams, what are next steps?
2: Uh, well, so, so first of all, a step that we took that we I don't believe we should have taken, and this is this is something that experts can argue with me on, but. Uh you know, General Jack Keene said the exact same thing, and I respect his opinion greatly, is that there was no reason for us to vacate Bagram Air Base. We could have maintained a forward presence in a very troubled part of the yeah. world that literally neighbors Pakistan, Iran, China, and the former stands as part of the Soviet Union. You talk about being centrally located. Now what we're having to do is we can't even get a drone overhead without an eight-hour pre-flight uh, coming in uh, from uh, carrier-based craft off the shore. Um, way down below Pakistan. Why did they let India. that go?
1: I don't. I still to this. I cannot understand that
2: politics. Because it's it's just like why are they? Why did they stop building the wall on the southern border? Uh, because they needed to be doing something different than what um, uh, Trump did, and and that, that's my opinion. Now, would it be costly to some degree? But we we've, st- we've still got bases in Germany and Japan. Yeah. We actually pay yeah. rent to Germany and Japan. It, it's 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 an actual it's a it's a financial commitment to the host nation, and and so. The idea that we're going to be occupiers no we were going to be tenants but we were going to have a presence and we've poured millions into those bases and we walked out turned off the lights and they immediately began getting ransacked and uh i don't know if you heard it the other day man Uh, i don't want to belabor afghanistan too long but i did have a great segment on the show with my former afghan interpreter who now is a u.s citizen
1: well i wanted to ask you about that because we're pulling out and are we bringing the interpreters with us you brought how did your interpreter end up here
2: well, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a long story. I, I won't take up all our time with it, but we were able to—he became a refugee. We were able to get him out of a U.N. refugee camp uh, with help from our congressman, and, uh, and he came to the United States and is now a U.S. citizen, with a master's from Yale, believe it or not. Because you've heard um, that
1: the, uh, the Taliban has executed uh, yeah, the, some of the interpreters we've left behind. We can't do and, that.
2: And he has family there right now, and there were guys who served with my team and other teams uh, subsequent to me. Because I was there at the beginning, that um, that are already facing persecution and beheadings and, and and the usual. And the Taliban even today says they want to replace the existing uh, government of uh, President Ashraf Ghani and uh, and make sure that it's a fundamentalist government that does not allow women to have function. And and so you're seeing it; it's already coming. Um, it's it's a mess. And and right now, by the way, Fort Lee, Virginia, um, uh, Fort Lee, Virginia, apparently just cleared out a huge. Um, on-post hotel that is used for housing soldiers who are there for schooling, uh, and they are making it a um, Afghan uh, refugee center, and uh, they're bringing in thousands just to Fort Lee. So yeah,
1: well, we owe them that, right?
2: Well, we do, and we, we owe them an opportunity to uh, have a new life for serving with us and bleeding with us, and and so yeah. But man, uh, listen though. I, I be back to the point about Rawls. Now, listen, I, I do not care if he has differing opinions on politics, just as long as he can stand up under the weight of somebody having a better opinion. Yay! Yay! But, thank um, you, uh, thank but you, man. man. I, I really appreciate you being on there today. Uh, my legal work is concluded for the day, and I am. Uh, Catching parts of the show and enjoying the opportunity to sip coffee here in my studio studio and talk to you for a bit. But I'm going to let you wrap the show up here in a minute and take it all the way to Monday. Oh,
1: because yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's happening here in the great state of Alabama politically. Now, we're, you, you had a terrific guest, and because I had COVID, so I'm going to blame that, and it's melted part of my brain. You had you had a state representative on the show yesterday, yeah, and she was talking about, what, two, three, maybe four special sessions coming up?
2: Yeah, that was uh, State Representative Connie Rowe, who's a Thank member you. of leadership in the House um, uh, and is very likely to maintain a position of leadership in state government for a while, I anticipate. But um, anyway, Connie and I were talking about it. I threw out a special session, this special session, that. She agrees we're probably going to have a special on reapportionment. That's mandatory because they got to redraw all the district lines, the school board lines, the congressional lines based on the census data that the Biden administration can't seem to wrap up.
1: Well, you know, it's math. Yeah. It's hard.
2: Yeah, it's, it is math. It's hard. <laughs> um, and then there's going to be a special session potentially on prisons. Um, and, and that's that's going to be a sticky wicket. And then I asked her, was there going to be a special session on gambling? And Because uh, I'm hearing rumors there could be, although it's an election year. You have a hard time believing that. Her opinion is no... That's off for the rest of this quadrennium, that it may come back again, you know, in the next quadrennium. Mm, we'll see. We're going to
1: have to fight that again. Um, okay, I've been yeah. fighting that fight for thirty, almost 30 years in this state. I mean, it's and then never one, ends.
2: It never ends, you're right. And then one more special session potentially on how are we going to spend the massive amounts of Federal CARES Act dollars related to COVID relief, that are coming in because I don't think the legislature is going to sit back and let Governor Ivey just have the checkbook and do what she wants to do. Why? No? Like okay, wait,
1: wait. Um, now you and I are going to have to disagree, as gentlemen. But why not? They've, 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 you know, sat there with their tail between their legs to this governor before. Why would, why would you think that that would change?
2: Well, I think because they walked away with bruised egos and recognized how badly that looked. You know, we, we, we derided them at the Alabama Policy Institute for abdicating their authority. And, uh, and they are the ones who have the constitutional obligation of appropriation of funds. And yet they just said, okay, we're going to give the money to the executive branch. Uh, make sure you use it for these things, which she didn't. <laughs> she used it for all kinds of stuff. And 20, only, only 26%. Was it twenty six? No, maybe it was twenty four percent. Only twenty four percent of one point eight billion, with a B, dollars went to the private sector. The rest of it just grew government. It's ridiculous.
1: No, it's totally so, ridiculous. And and on top of you know, injury, you know, insult, to injury. She called them what? A pack of turtles?
2: A pack of turtles? Well, a herd of turtles?
1: Herd of turtles. Which you do? A, which
2: you do an awesome cartoon of? For, which is a band days. name?
1: Which I had called Dibs Copper yeah. Dibs. Herd of turtles. Herd of turtles.
2: Yes. We- <laughs> I will. Uh, I will play the kazoo, and you can you can tap on the spoons, and we'll have a band called Herd of Turtles. But, I love this. I love but, this. Yeah, it was it was something. But I don't think I don't think they're going to let her have that much leeway again. Okay. They're probably going to appropriate and tell her where it's going to go. Um, but uh, we'll see. But listen, brother, right. I know you're coming up on a break. Yes. Uh, can I say something about next week? Real Please. Quick? Uh, uh, first of all, thank you to my listeners. We are indeed solid conservative and just playing right. But uh, next week, we've got uh, I got a, I got a huge story coming for you on uh, Monday, talking about the money in the state of Alabama and where does it go. Uh, we've got uh, right now a tentative date set for Attorney General Steve Marshall to be on the phone with us. Uh, we're going to really? have updates from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. We've got some state legislators that are that I believe are going to be on the show with us, and maybe a surprise guest or two. Scott Stantis, thank
1: you for helping me out. My hey brother. Phil, thanks for phoning in and thanks for being so nice. I, thanks for asking me. We'll be back right after this to tie things up. This is Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah!